On the night before he died for us, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks to God, he broke it, gave it to his disciples, and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this for the remembrance of me. After supper, he took the cup of wine, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, drink this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for all for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this for the remembrance of me. Every week, when we gather together in community to worship, we hear these words or a version thereof. We hear these words and celebrate communion each week because, at least in part, Jesus told us to do it. He commanded us to do it. Do this in remembrance of me, he said. And so we remember. We remember that on the night before he was betrayed by his friends, he entered into that betrayal with his eyes wide open. And with his eyes wide open, he gave to all of his disciples, both his disciples then and now, this deeply symbolic meal as a, as a memorial, as a way of calling to mind what had been done for us. He was saying then, and we proclaim it now, that his death was not meaningless nor empty, but rather filled with meaning and filled with purpose. It was not a defeat or a loss, but rather a victory in a way that opened up life and deliverance and salvation for all of humanity. So every week, we remember and call to mind that Last Supper. Every week, we celebrate the meal he gave us, and we give thanks to God for the ways in which God has forgiven us and freed us and liberated us from the powers of sin and death through the death and resurrection of Jesus. But it's not enough to think that we gather and celebrate the Eucharist as a fond memory of what once happened. We are not just recalling what happened nearly 2,000 years ago with Christ's death and resurrection. We are also saying that Christ is present, present here and now, giving himself to us anew, uniting himself to us again just as we have also been made members of Christ's body. So when we gather at this table, we feast on Christ, feast on his body and blood given spiritually to us. This is what we do. 
When the church has strived to understand the mystery of this meal, it has often turned to this sixth chapter of John's gospel that we heard from this morning. Now, if you've been coming to church for the last month, and luckily for you, I don't know because I haven't been here, but, <laughs> but if you have been here, then you know that we have been methodically making our way through this chapter, where again and again, Jesus invites his listeners to eat his flesh and drink his blood. He tells them that he himself is the bread of life, given so that those who feast on him may hunger and thirst no more, but rather may have eternal life. And so on one level, when Jesus is speaking in these terms, he's, he's delving into the imagery of wisdom literature. He's, he's using evocative and figurative language to provoke transformation in his listeners. We are told in the prologue of John's gospel that Jesus is the word or the logos of God, who is God and is with God eternally, before all things were made. And we are told that this word is light that darkness can never overcome, and that this word is the life of all people. And what's more, we're told in the beginning of John's gospel that this word, this word that is light and life, became flesh and dwelt among us. To the Gospel of John, Jesus is the embodied and enfleshed wisdom of God. Jesus is God's eternal word to us, spoken as and in the life of a human being. And so to Feast on wisdom is to internalize it, to make it one's own. We, we feast on wisdom by conforming our minds to this wisdom, by conforming our minds to, to God's revelation in Christ, by seeing the world and our lives and everything that surround us, surrounds us through this lens of wisdom embodied in Jesus. And indeed, Jesus invites his listeners to do just that here. We are to look at his life and feast upon it so that our minds may be transformed and that we might turn toward God and away from, from all that would take us away from God, so that we might love our neighbors as we love ourselves and turn away from everything that would take us away from that love. But I think that Jesus is using this imagery of eating to take his listeners beyond just an intellectual event. He longs to take them beyond just a mental occurrence or a way of seeing the world. 
Instead, Jesus is speaking to the very heart of things. He's speaking to the core of our beings. For as Jesus speaks, he's not just speaking about internalizing wisdom, but internalizing his very being. Jesus tells them, those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This meal unites us to God. This is not just about wisdom, then. This is about the Eucharist, what we do week in and week out. It is about living in communion with the heart of reality. Jesus is speaking about union. Jesus is speaking about wholeness and discovering ourselves woven into the very life of God through the relationship that exists from eternity between Jesus and the Father. To abide in or to to live in and with Christ and for Christ, to abide in us. That is what he's inviting us into through this meal. It is a gift of mutual indwelling. He gives us himself to us as a gift to draw us in, to make us one with him and therefore one with God. This is an indwelling that goes deeper than our conscious minds. It's deeper than our constructs and our way of understanding the world, but rather goes all the way down to the very core of who we are. And you see, this this is one of the things that I love about the Eucharist. Because it It feeds me, it feeds us in ways that are are deeper than just what we might be conscious of. And it creates a, a union that exists at levels that are deeper than my awareness. Because on the surface, I often experience my life as as confusion and loss, and alienation. But here, as we gather around this table, Jesus gives me cause to believe that there is a peace in the depth of my soul. A hurricane may exist on the surface of my life, but deep beneath There is stillness and wholeness and oneness when I come to this table. When I come to this table, I know that when I am confused and when my faith is feeling fragile, I will be fed at Christ's table. I know that when my hope is wavering and my heart is hard, 
then I can still accept Christ's invitation to feast on him. Wherever we are on our spiritual journey, right, we are invited to abide in Christ and to have Christ abide in us when we come to this table. This is a profound grace, one that transcends our ability to comprehend it. We come again and again to receive the bread and wine of communion in order to participate in this reality. Jesus gives himself to us so that the lost can be found and so that the guilty can find forgiveness and so that lovers can love more deeply. Jesus gives himself to us so that we might receive healing and receive a foretaste of the wholeness that is God's promise to us. Jesus gives himself to us in this spiritual meal so that he might abide in us and we in him. So come and eat and drink at Christ's table for he bids us come. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen.